Hello, I'm the podcaster without fear, Luke. I'm the uncanny Ryan. I am Kylie the Poodinger. I am the superior Caitlin. And I am the agitated Kyle. And, and we are most of the Nerd Dome Podcast. Every Friday, some variation of this group gets together and talks about all things nerd. The newest stuff in TV, movies, comics, video games, and more. So join us in the Dome every Friday to hear all things nerd. From a bunch of people who are probably a bit too into it. Think of the children! You must walk feminine, talk feminine, smile and be guile feminine, utilize your femininity. That's what every girl should know, if she wants to catch a bow. Oh, won't somebody please think of the children? Okay, first, I'm not a princess. I'm the daughter of the chief. Same difference. No. If you wear a dress and you have an animal sidekick, you're a princess. I think you can kiss your trade franchise goodbye. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Kiss Your Franchise Goodbye, uh, our ongoing podcast talking about movie franchises and what they mean and their broader cultural impact. Uh, we are right smack dab in the middle of Disney princesses with 1995's Pocahontas. Um, this is going to be an interesting conversation because there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, luckily, I think we have uh, a pretty great group of people to get started doing that. Uh, I'm your host, Andy Wilson, uh, and uh, I am coming to you from the occupied lands of the Lipan Apache and the Tonkawa and Sana people, otherwise known as Austin, Texas. But uh, Brookheim, <laughs> how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. I am so very much looking forward to this to this recording. Um, I'm a good friend of mine. You're going to introduce her. Her name is Ruth Ann Young. She has joined us for this. Uh, we'll have the rest of the crew joining us shortly. But um, what I don't even know if Ruth knows this or not. When I was in college, I switched from being a music major to a history major with an emphasis in Native American studies because of some experiences that I had and professors that I had in history. And um, it was one of the most eye-opening things I've ever done in my life, as well as the hardest for me to have to look at the history of the white people that I come from and our country. And I'm really grateful we're gonna be able to have this discussion and to learn from everyone else. So, yeah, so Ruth, introduce yourself. Okay, um, I'm Ruth Young. I am. I was born and raised in rural Utah, in San Pete County. My mother is San Carlos Apache. She is from southeastern Arizona. She was raised on the reservation there, and uh, that part of my ancestry is very important to me. My dad is white, mostly English, so he's very white, or he's sunburned. Those are the colors. Uh, that's that's great, and we are so grateful that that you're here. Um, we we obviously we don't want to put you on the spot here, and uh, you obviously do not speak for all Native or Indigenous people. But we're grateful for your perspective, and we're just so glad to be able to talk about this and hopefully what it means to you. Uh, it looks like one of our regular crew also joined in here. 
Hey, hey, you it's JB. How you doing? You like you like the the I I went Patrick Bateman on my oh. name because yeah the Christian Bale tie-in. Yeah, so, oh, oh, I see. Gotcha. Yeah. Anyway, I it's, so it, it's great to be here as as well. Um, and and Ruth, thanks again for joining. It uh, it it's 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 great to get to hear. You know, we're lucky. We have the the four of us are are good friends, and and we we get to chat with each other and. Um, I'm, I'm really, like I said, it's not only the, the, the part of Utah that you're from, but also the perspective you have. Cause I think I, I love rural Utah and I think obviously our legislature doesn't give it any credit, but I, I, I just love the people from there. I, I worked a lot with Cedar city and, um, you know, the, the, the Blanding area is great. A friend of mine runs the, the health group, the health department down there. So, um, cool. It, it's it's awesome. I'm and I'm really glad you're here. So thanks, Andy and Brooke, and um, look forward to chatting today. Yeah. So, um, can I tell a story about Ruth? Oh man, I don't know yeah. Ruth. Can she? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Wait. Do, do I have permission? So let's see what story is it. Give us the theme, I guess. <laughs> it's it's gonna be really tame compared to what y'all usually hear from me. Let's be honest. Um, when I went to college, I went to Snow College. And it was right after my first divorce and I moved there sort of shell-shocked from life at that point. And Sanpete County is amazing. It is one of our country's truest unknown treasures. It's incredible. The people, the the landscape, the, everything about it. And, and I was down there and we came up to Salt Lake City for our fall college tour to like oh yeah get people to to want to recruit to snow college and ruth was one of the first people that i that i really met and got to know because she's in the brass section i'm in the brass section Mm -hmm. there aren't very many girls there and i know it's hard to believe but i'm incredibly awkward and shy in new environments but (laughs) music is really binding right and so i didn't know a whole lot of people but i knew ruth and we come up to salt lake and we check into the crystal inn in sandy utah and we go outside for dinner like we drove straight there and ruth walks off the bus and she looks up at the sky and she goes there are no stars here and it was this moment where i was like holy shit it's true right (laughs) Yeah. We're so used to not seeing the stars and it's just your appreciation of of the world around you is really unique and yeah. beautiful. And I just remember going, wow, I take for granted so much sometimes, but the stars in San Pete are incredible. The skies yeah. are incredible. Everything is. And that was that's one of the things that's always really stuck with me, Ruth, was making sure I always stop and really appreciate what's around yeah. me and, and well, hearing you cool. say that. I still miss those. Like I live over in South Jordan now and I miss it so much. Yeah. Just being able to walk outside and see the Milky Way, you know, um, like the town that I grew up in, it's got 300 people, right? Like you can see the stars there, but okay. Oh. Bro, are you ready for a separate star story? It's going to be like <laughs> yes. left. So you know how Vance at Snow College sucked me into doing, uh, like I was the head dorm counselor for his jazz mm-hmm. camp for a while. We had some kids that came up from Vegas, kept trying to sneak out one night. Like we shoot them back into their rooms three or four times. And finally they tried to sneak out again. It was like, what is it that you guys are trying to do? And they're like, 
man, we just really want to see stars. We heard that you could see stars here. And I was like, oh, hey, you know what? Like, go out to this street, walk three blocks to the east, <laughs> and like sit in that church parking lot, look at the stars, be back in 45 minutes. Um, and they came back and they were just amazed. They're like, you can't see very many stars in Vegas. You know, they're like, it's nothing, nothing like that. Uh, being able to just like lay on the grass and look at the Milky Way, you know? That's crazy. Also coming at us from a place where the stars at night are big and bright. <laughs> oh. Melissa Martinez is just joined the party. Welcome, Melissa, our returning champ. How are you doing? From, from the basement of you the know, I, I did not know that song had a second verse. I'm a native Texan, and I did not know the second that there was a second verse to that song until I was in my 30s. Whoa! It's uh, <laughs> I've never even been to Texas, and I know that. <laughs> Well, I'm a bad Texan, you know, I, um, I don't have the accent. I'm not that fond of country music and I hate the Alamo. So that makes me a bad San Antonian too. Um, so, you know, I just do everything wrong. It's okay. I mean, you know, you more, you know, three more things about your state than all of us know about Utah. So, I mean, give yourself some credit. <laughs> the only thing we learn is how to do the counties in song style, you know? Oh, no. <laughs> Unfortunately, I moved to Utah from Texas after everyone learned that, so I know nothing about Texas. Those <laughs> for you guys. <laughs> okay. Well, I also I, I, Ruth. I, I live in oh Ruth. I live in Draper, so I'm waving at you. Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. Side. Hey. Yeah, yeah. Like I've actually been in every county in Utah. Nice. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that is uh, already more interesting than the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you, did you go through them all at once and sing as you went through them? Like, oh, box elder, do well, do have me. So, um, well, like being from rural Utah, in order to do business, you have to go all over the place. Oh, My dad sure. was a dairy farmer, and we had to go all over the place. And if we went with dad somewhere, he'd buy us like a Coke and M and M's. And so we always went with dad, like no to go places. And one time, one of my Salt Lake City friends was like, "Hey." Mark on this map all the places that you've been. And I realized then that I'd been over quite a bit of area in Utah and then made a goal to drive every mile of highway in Utah, which it's been about a year now since I finished, but. Wow. That's cool. That's yeah. really cool. So, ah, uh, I just, yeah, I love Southern Utah. Uh, there's a reason why so much of that land is national park because it is gorgeous, gorgeous yeah. yeah um so but let's talk about pocahontas uh which came out in the the summer of 1995 now ruth um you are likely uninitiated uh to this but we have a running joke where we really rag on uh disney's head of animation jeffrey ah. katzenberg the co-founder of queeby um this is this movie, or this is going to be the last time we get to rag on Jeffrey Katzenberg, co-founder of Queeby, um, because this is his last film. Um, right. But I will give you some some fun facts about the development of this movie. Uh, this was being produced at the same time as The Lion King, and it was really the first time where Disney, and by that I really mean Katzenberg, co-founder of Queeby, um, 
w said this is the formula. We have a strong female protagonist. She has animal sidekicks. Uh, there's a love interest. Uh, there's she's gonna have a ballad. She's gonna have an I want song, uh, and and then there's gonna be a villain song. There's gonna be you know all these things, and it you know this was the first time that the Disney princess formula kind of got rolled out. And uh, he was so big on it. And he said, this is going to be the biggest movie of all time. And pulled animators off of the Lion King, which he thought was going to be a dud. And told them Pocahontas is going to be the thing. And that was very much quite the opposite. Uh, I, uh, I don't know if, if most of you remember, but the Lion King was one of the biggest movies of 1994 of movie of any kind and the most successful animated movie for many years after this uh, and is still one of the most successful animated films of all time so um, strike one for Jeffrey Katzenberg um, <laughs> but halfway oh co-founder of Queeby I almost forgot um, but halfway through the production of this movie he had a major falling out with um the, the top Disney brass and essentially sort of gave them an ult ultimatum. It was like either promote me to the head of Disney studios in general, or I'm out of here. And they didn't. And they gave the promotion to someone else. And he took off and founded a little company called DreamWorks along with uh, Spielberg and David Geffen. Uh, so that's on the DreamWorks logo. I don't think I've heard of it. SKG, Spielberg, Katzenberg, co-founder of Guibi, and Geffen. So it's a little history. Co-founder of, co of Nirvana. How would you use, We need a Geffen one. Was he married to Mariah Carey, David Geffen? No, that was Tommy no. Mottola. Mottola, yeah. For David Geffen. Yep. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, co-founder of Tommy Mottola. There you go. <laughs> and Spielberg, one of the greatest uh, popcorn filmmakers of all time. So anyway, that's that's the like business side, internal Disney politics side of the history of this movie. Um, what is everyone's like personal history with with this movie? What do you all remember about it? when it originally came out or did you see it? Did you not? What happened? Well, I saw it right after moving to Utah. So we, I left Texas January 5th of 1995 and we moved to Utah. And I remember because I thought moving to Utah was the worst thing that could ever happen to me <laughs> in my life. And I had already been through some shit, <laughs> but, um, I had made some friends and still felt really lonely. And I remember them saying that it was going to be Pocahontas and getting excited that it would be like historical and accurate and something that we could all like really, like it was actually going to like be a Disney movie about something substantial. And I walked out of the movie almost like almost crying because I felt so disappointed in 
what didn't seem to be very historically accurate at all. And um, <laughs> that is the most that is the biggest <laughs> understatement of the podcast. I think. <laughs> well, I think well, if you're so young and recognize that it's not historically accurate, there's a huge red flag there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just you know I've always loved history, and so I was really disappointed that I think like I remember being like, oh, they got Lion King, they did that really well, so this is going to be amazing. And it wasn't. And I just felt like everything in the world was shit at the time. That's what I remember. And I blamed them. Yeah. How about I, you guys? I <laughs> I saw this at the the Pioneer Twin Drive-In in South Provo. I, I think many of us remember it well. Um, I don't remember what the second movie was, but I remember it was much better than the first. Uh, and not liking this movie and just sort of sitting through it. And even my little, my little sisters and brother were like bored and were just like, oh, this isn't very good. Um, I was also very much aware of the historical inaccuracy, although um, being, you know, a sheltered white kid from the suburbs, much less like, um, I'm like, well, actually, she married John Rolfe, not John Smith. And, like, that was the extent of my quibbling with it. But just that it's not accurate. Not like, oh, no, this movie sexualizes a young girl. And, um, you know, the actual story of this is very tragic and full of rape and kidnapping and tragedy and very bad so um but even then i was like this is this is not great um yeah that was that was my experience with it i was just like no thank you had you already gone through ap history at that point yes i have okay thank so you. god bless rosalie mckay and her ap history class um, yeah i'd just gone through it that year so so that must have made the, the historical inaccuracies even worse for you. Yes. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I'm like, this is not correct at all. We had the best history teacher in the history of history teachers. Yes. Legendary. That's cool. So, yeah. Um, Melissa, yeah, she, would have given, she would have given Katzenberg a D minus co-founder yes. of Queeby. For sure. So y'all y'all can go back to our Facebook message and see my reaction to <laughs> it was so good I was <laughs> like what the fuck am I watching and um, yeah I you know if I'd seen it in the 90s you know like we said many times we've watched a lot of movies that were made in the 90s on this podcast and have very different views now than we did back then um but you know even if we see things a certain way like like the james bond movies differently because they're so rapey and we didn't realize that's what it was back then or thing you can still have like like those movies or you still have an affinity for them for other reasons this movie i don't think i would have had you know if i'd seen it in the 90s i i don't think i would have had an affinity for it still today do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, like, totally. You know, I think my feelings would have been pretty similar. 
I, I, I think it's ironic that it came out the same year as Batman Forever because I didn't like. I feel like both of those movies should had you wanted them both to be better, right? Mm-hmm. Like you wanted yeah. a lot of those movies that that year to be really, really good and carry a message and and be responsible for uh, you know carrying on a legacy, right? Like being being true to the source material and things and and yeah I, you know the the hardest thing for me honestly melissa was the animation i remember it's so lazy it was it's so, so bad, bad. I, I remember watching this i andy around the same time i i probably went to movies eight or something and watched it or something like that um or i watched it at home and just i mean i don't even know that i finished it because i thought mel gibson was horribly miscast and then he the was. animation yeah. just it was really hard to finish um so yeah melissa i think i had the same just really disappointed from the miss mckay side and then i the music was great and some of the side characters were good but boy it was hard to watch yeah so ruth what about you um truthfully i don't remember watching it for the first time i know that i'd seen it um i do however remember watching the lion king in the theaters and uh the fact that i remember so much about that and nothing about pocahontas maybe says something um i i remember my parents weren't very impressed with pocahontas um you know and to kind of be like i don't know if that's like a to kind of contextualize stuff a little bit like um you know how like in peter pan like they kind of like uh really deeply stereotyped Native Americans and Peter Pan. Yes. My parents mock that movie. My parents are kind of like dark humor a little bit. And my parents like mock the snot out of Peter Pan. And we really kind of like that film in our household because we make fun of it. Like if you meet my parents for the first time, they might say, how? And um, because they're making fun of Peter Pan. And, uh, but they didn't even like like acknowledge that Pocahontas existed for a long time. Like every now and then it was this thing. Um, I remember watching it later, like in college and being irritated enough that I didn't finish it. And from that point forward, I had a couple of friends that would like screen movies that had like native ties to them and tell me whether or not they would be okay for me to watch. And, and so like, I had a couple of friends, like they watched uh, brother bear and they, they came back from whatever party they had seen it in. And they're like, don't watch it. You're going to hate it. And uh, they watched a couple of others that they were like, Nope, not that one. Nope, not that one. And, uh, and uh, you know, if I did see those movies later on, like it, they were right. They were right <laughs> every single time. But like, uh, I was talking with Brooke earlier through Facebook Messenger, you know, and I was like, I'm totally going to take notes in. I made it less than two minutes before I pulled out my notebook and started making notes. And then I was like, I can't do this, like, or I'm going to have the whole movie, like, script in front of me with all right. that dri- that drive me nuts. You know, like, I didn't even make it past the opening song before I was, like, writing down notes. Um, and uh, so, like, watching it for the first time, I don't really, like, I remember being thoroughly irritated um buy it and then not paying any attention and then being 
consistently annoyed every time somebody asked me if it was my favorite Disney movie. And, uh, so the answer is no. It is probably probably the worst one in my opinion. So. What what is your dis- favorite Disney movie? Just just uh, out of Robin Hood, because I mean, there's a singing rooster. So yes, okay, so. I, I, think, I think we may need to do a, a backwards bonus episode and do, do the, Oh, we love Robin Hood. <laughs> yes. I can do Robin Hood because everybody loves Robin Hood. Ruth, would you like to come back and talk to us about Robin Hood? Please, oh, yeah. Ruth. I love Robin Hood. Okay. Oh, Peter Ustinoff alone is worth that movie. Such oh a great. <laughs> okay. So I, I mean, I would have put I would have put PJ on all of your pajamas, Andy, when I lived near you. <laughs> Ooh, PJ, yes, put it on PJ. luggage in my pajamas, yes, Andy. Yeah, yeah. I would love it. Perfect. Yep. Oh, that's that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, and Maid so Marian, Maid Marian is a badass. Not oh yeah, per yeah. se a princess, but one of the best characters. Well, and that's the that's the thing is so. Pocahontas, the movie, kind of garbage, but Pocahontas as a character is is one of the first um, of these Disney princesses who is like she's making active choices. She's um, she has a mind of her own. Um, she's you know strong spirited, independent. Um, and and there's some like i don't know is is this just like 90s feminism or is this like progressive in any in any way um okay so like some of the notes that i took down she does not follow the advice of her father mm-hmm. like, out defies her parents okay fine whatever like young person we all do that but then she talks to a tree and totally follows the advice of the tree without too much question like um first of all i don't know any native american cultures that have like a mystical tree that you can talk to um and that a mystical tree that like random english people can talk to when they come across it as well um but you know like uh she does seem to make like some really interesting decisions and think for herself and stuff but i wonder how much of it is actually her and how much it how much of it is grandmother willow mm. so good point yeah yeah this i mean it it does feel like there are some incremental steps forward with like the film trying to be more quote-unquote feminist but um, so i feel like my take on it is maybe like too cynical almost But I feel like they could take those risks because somewhere deep inside they knew it wouldn't matter because they could go back to the formula and and even regress in the steps forward, you know, take a few back with another little white princess. But because they had to have known that like this whole film feels like cynical 90s. Like, well, we want to look like we are being diverse. Yes. So let's right, out. Right. Because it was lazy, poorly written, poorly animated. And so they could afford to take those little steps because they, I think they knew they weren't going to make a lot of money on this. This wasn't going to be, you know, the Lion King or something. This wasn't going to be, you know, the Little Mermaid. 
And so it's okay to take those steps because you're not going to offend anyone because all the little, you know, conservative types who hold Disney up so high in estimation probably didn't want to see this movie because most of them are fucking racist, you know? Yeah. And so they weren't going to offend anybody by making her a little bit stronger. But also my other irritation with, with, you know, people calling this movie feminist is that it, the whole movie's a lie. Yes. You know, like if we took her actual story, it didn't feel very feminist, you know, and maybe for its time or something, I don't know, but like, you know, I know I shouldn't hold them up to the same standards I have today or anything, and I try not to, but they, they left a lot of shit out. They buried the lead in this story, and it, you know, by, because I think they don't want to admit, oh, she died just like a couple years later, you know what I mean? And, and there was no romance or whatever. It just, um, they don't want to do that because that's not Disney. And so by omitting all the shitty stuff, it feels like they didn't tell her actual story. And that feels decidedly unfeminist. If you, does that make sense? Completely agree. Yeah. Cause it, it, it's, you know, and they're trying to make this amalgam out of, you know, native culture that they can, you know, serve through the Disney machine. That, that's why I named myself Pocahontas yeah. today. <laughs> because, you know what I'm saying? Like, like well, when we get to what's her face of Avalon, you know, the generic Hispanic princess. Yeah, I'll have something to say about that again. Let me tell you. Yeah, because it, it, it's, it, you know, we've, we've talked before on the podcast that one of the things I love is the, like, this so specific it becomes universal this is trying to be so universal that it loses any specificity whatsoever this doesn't feel like a really great representation of actual native culture because it's not specific it's just like i don't, I don't know here's here's in the representation of pocahontas yeah so um, I think Andy, like what we were talking about earlier when we were talking about, uh, like whether or not her tribe was even registered, like it's not federally recognized, right? Is what we discovered. Correct. But there yeah. 574 federally recognized tribes across the United States, 574. Um, and hers is not like, but, uh, like to, like to even try and like uh, depict even groups of them, like, cause there's a bunch of them that are related and stuff. Like, I think it would be uh, like really hard, right? Obviously there'd be a lot of research and stuff. And I find that this movie does not like puts kind of like a hand into like an effort, but doesn't really put in a full effort. Like it was kind of interesting that they put in like the actual language but the actual language um the only record that we have of it is the written stuff um and the language itself is gone so we don't even know that the language is spoken correctly in the movie we can probably assume that it's not um and which is kind of like hey we tried didn't really do anything but like to to be like oh yeah pocahontas is the native american like Disney princess, it's like of 574 tribes of which she was a member of none of those. Right. 
So it, yeah. the whole thing felt very patronizing. Like yeah. We're going to take a story that could have been well done, that could have been brilliant, that could have been animated a whole hell of a lot better having just come off of Lion King. And music that didn't feel thought through in any way. Hmm. And we're going to pretend as though it's feminist. We're going to try to pacify people of color. We're going to, like, all these things, just, just like you said, just half-assed, just thrown sloppily at a board and say yeah this will this will shut him up for a while let's put this out there yeah. which is can, which is can we use hey we you... tried as the slogan for the katzenberg era yeah hey, like, we tried. but it, like it's that's legit that what they all feel like old people off of lion king for this like at what point do you think he realized well this is fucked like let's just whatever let's just get it out yeah i mean i do I do think that there was probably some of that, that like after Katzenberg left, that there might have just been like a, well, we don't really care about this movie that he cared about. So let's just, let's just poop it out. And it it is, it's that weird, like it feels like, and and you mentioned this earlier, it feels like the people who were making this movie were sort of like, eh, because they didn't have the same belief in it that Katzenberg, you you know what I mean? Like it does, it feels like, Half the people were super invested and half weren't for some reason. So and, this movie and, is the original context for we don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> <laughs> but the the important thing here is it's important, you know, Katzenberg co-founder of Quibi didn't view this as like, it's important to me to center a native character and a native woman and be true to her story and to the story of her people he this was just like we're gonna get some oscars because you know what wins oscars uh biopics so let's do an animated feature about uh our version of the history of this woman that we're going to actually completely erase the entire actual history and just basically make one up and slap her name on it and and it's going to make us a bunch of money. We're going to be able to sell a bunch of merchandise. We're going to look like we're being PC and uh, and progressive. And we're going to win some Oscars. It was so cynical on his part. And it's terrible. And I just, you know, this entire era, it's like, you know, I just wish the representation was better because it, it deserves to be better. And mm. it's too bad. Although I think this is potentially a sort of cursed premise. Um, I so do. Do you want me to go into the the backstory at all, like the actual history? To we, yeah. And Andy, I'm I'm wondering. The other thing I was thinking of is is what else was going on. Is this is '95 like the showgirls, like? Is there other trends in other movies where, um, like this is a like you said, there, this is kind of this is lazy and it's not really representative. Were there other movies at this time outside of Disney movies that were also kind of like I, I seem to remember like characters were much more empowered. Like wasn't Dangerous Minds like ninety five? 
Yeah, I two think on so. Two. I, I'm so it's like we can't even say it's a trend where the, you know movies were in general, you know, lazy and conceptually problematic. Like other movies were doing much better, right? It's just Disney not doing right by the character. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, and it it this should be noted and taken like this is the the key right here when they originally decided to make this film the first place that they went to go do their research was colonial williamsburg which <laughs> just shut up i am not joking and there they actually did meet um two of um Pocahontas's descendants and they volunteered to they, they're like we have the oral history of our people and we can we can advise you on the film here's here's all all of this history here's all this documentation please use this and apparently they were never consulted again after that moment and none of and none of the actual history shocking. ever made it into the movie. So, I mean, that's shocking for how well they did the history of the actual movie. <laughs> right. Okay. So this is this is very important. Pocahontas's name is not actually Pocahontas. Pocahontas was her mother's name. Uh, she was born uh, under the name Makaota, uh, and her mother died in childbirth and her father loving her her mother so much as she grew older began to call her Pocahontas after his uh, his deceased wife who he loved very much when John Smith and the Virginia Company arrived and began to colonize Jamestown uh, Pocahontas was 10 years old 10 and so obviously one of the things they're like well we should age her up which is something we we've talked about in previous movies like this is so problematic we should we should maybe age ariel up a few years so she's not just 16 or or whatever brooke i think you had a question i do have a question mm -hmm. because because i was researching this a lot and i saw on different like several different spaces one of them being history.com that her real name was amonte and that pocahontas was a nickname that meant playful one yes and that's correct yeah oh okay yeah it is it i mean it is a nickname but it was the name apparently. but it was also her mother's name according yeah according to oh, the, the tribal oral history that that's was also beautiful. her mother's name Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And she, you know, she was the daughter of the chief. And so, you know, this was, this was kept as, uh, as history. Um, John Smith, very bad guy, very bad guy, um, would go around and, uh, point his guns at the head of native people and demand that they give him food or else he would kill them. That was who he was. He was generally seen as being very mercenary and pretty barbaric, but he was the guy that 
the chief decided was this is who we can negotiate with on the other side. And so they brought him into the village and uh, were preparing to confer upon him this honor of his, you know, of being the, the emissary to the English. And he apparently mistook all of this for some sort of barbaric ritual and thought that his life was in danger. And this is where the myth of Pocahontas saving his life came from. Uh, but he was never in actually any danger. He was either a liar or embellishing. And, you know, there, but there, there are many historical reasons to believe he was never in any danger whatsoever. And she likely never had any actual contact with him. Um, she also did not sneak food into Jamestown or anything like that. There, there was really no contact between her and John Smith. A few years later, um, she is married to a man named Cocoam, who we see in the movie. First of all, Cocoam, awesome character in this movie. Cocoam way better than John Smith. And um, she's married to him and has a child. But the Virginia company is like, hey, you know what? Um, we should we should get some leverage over the chief. The best thing that we can do is kidnap his daughter. So they did that and they took her away and put her on a ship. And she gave up her child and to send it back to the village to um, be with uh, the child's father. While she uh, was kidnapped by the British, they decided that what they would do is uh, she would marry another person, John Rolfe, and in return, the, uh, the tribe would share their secrets about growing and curing tobacco. Because uh, at the time, the Spanish plantations were doing fairly well with growing tobacco. The British tobacco sucked. Native tobacco, very good. So they're like, hey, let's extract this knowledge from native people by kidnapping the chief's daughter. Um, while she was in British custody, she was repeatedly raped um, and actually had a child because of that. Um, she did eventually marry John Rolfe, was taken back to England, and um, sort of put on display there as like, oh, look at the noble savage woman, forced to change her name to Rachel, and forced to convert to Christianity. Uh, and then after several years, died, um, and many people feel that she she was actually in very good health they think she might have either been poisoned or murdered and or her death was not an accident was not just the normal thing that happened so um that is the very terrible tale of makaota who um you know was known as pocahontas which none of that is like a disney movie whatsoever um 
and and if I've left anything out there and and others know, please feel free to put in any details or correct me if I'm wrong about something. But, uh, and Ruth, you're raising your hand. Yeah, I just have a comment. Like, the story of Pocahontas is so, like disgusting in so many ways like as far as like how they treated native americans um it would be really uh satisfying in a way to say that like the treatment of natives after that got better but it didn't like no. um like uh i know that you mentioned like you're around austin texas and that there are apache peoples down there right yeah, like the lupan apache yes right i'm san carlos apache and uh when the U.S. government started to to really like kind of settle the West and like put out some like rule and governing over the Wild West out there, um, and they were putting all the natives on reservations and like making them learn how to farm and all that kind of stuff. Which, by the way, San Carlos Apache, no no real water to speak of on their reservation, <laughs> like yeah. far, but there's no water. Anyway. Uh, like they did a very similar thing to geronimo right like they take geronimo out of his homeland like they finally mm -hmm. capture the guy who's been trying to first of all geronimo not my favorite character in history like i don't want to come off as like a geronimo heroist um because his background is very torn like i'm very torn on my opinion of him but anyway but like geronimo was taken out of his homeland forced to leave put on display like they put him on a train sent him around the united states so people could look at him they made him wear a headdress which is not part of the apache culture um and like so he's dressed in somebody else's idea of what a native american should be and he's ridiculed and laughed at and when he finally dies they don't even bother to send his body back like they, they, they did the same thing to pocahontas right like they don't even she's buried yeah. in England. She's you know, buried in England, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and uh, Geronimo was buried in Oklahoma, and his descendants stayed there. And uh, but that's not their ancestral homeland, and uh, like that's much more recent, you know, than colonial Williamsburg would have been. And uh, like over the over the next two two to three hundred years, the treatment of Native Americans did not really improve all that much. So. Well, and even recently, I mean, we've just, just in the last year, um, unearthed all of the remains of the, you know, children who died in the hands of, you know, colonialist re-education um, schools, boarding schools in, that existed not only in Canada, but across the U.S. And yeah. where people were taken from their homes and taught that they had to assimilate and learn English and um, and and they you know we destroy their history and um, but there are there are native people living here in America right now uh, and you know they they are they are real they are here they you know, they, we we've tried to we <laughs> white people have uh, you know tried extremely hard to uh, commit genocide against the indigenous people of the 
American continents, and it's it's awful. I mean, that's it, it's been a very slow-moving 400-year genocide, and there are yeah. still remnants of that. I think uh, I think that whole history is very interesting. Like, there's uh, there's a whole like. Uh, faction in Native American culture that is that can be very anti-white for those reasons but um, I think uh, it's so interesting to me to look back and see how many people were trying to help to like there were a lot of people throughout um, history that tried to help the San Carlos Apache tribe that I'm from for instance that mm -hmm. I thought was really interesting like the more I read about the history the more you see how polarized characters can be in history and how polarized people can be um, I think, uh, is a native person and like somebody who, um, is half and half in a lot of ways that like, I don't know that I entirely fit into the native culture because I was essentially raised white. I definitely don't fit entirely into white culture because I see things that crop up in my own history and in my own lifetime that aren't correct that people don't realize. So like one experience that comes to mind is when I was at Utah State um, after a marching band rehearsal one time, one of the one of the guys in the band who is Brooke will probably relate to this because he was a low brass player. He's a tuba player and they kind of come into like two or three different categories. So this is this is now me stereotyping tuba players. Um, yeah, but we're awful. <laughs> like you have the ones that are pretty normal and helpful people. Um, you know, they shower, they brush their teeth and they're just good people. And you have some that are like the big dumb animal type, um, that are good for just like brute force labor. <laughs> and the guy who said this to me was one of those like big dumb animal types. And, uh, he comes up to me after rehearsal one day and he's like, Hey, where are you from? And I looked at him, I said, I'm from Sterling, Utah. And he's like, no, where are you from? I was like, I, Utah? And one of my friends was standing next to me. She was like, I think he's asking about your background, like your your heritage. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm San Carlos Apache. Like I'm half, half Apache and half white. And he was like, oh, yeah, okay. So where are you from? And I was like, uh, Sterling, Utah. Like he asked me that question again. I was like, what the heck? Like what's going on here? Anyway, um, so yeah. Still he Utah, like, thanks. Right, yeah, I was born and raised in San Pete County, Utah, you know. Anyway, like I like so I was like the the tribe is from southeast Arizona. Like I didn't grow up there though. I wasn't born there, and uh, and he was like, oh okay, yeah. And I was you know I'm trying to like have a conversation with this dude, kid. You know? I was like, so where are you from? He's like, oh he was from Moab or someplace down there. Anyway, he's like, so uh, what's your native language? And I said English. And I'm thinking in my head going, what in the world? Why is he asking me what language I speak? Like, we're speaking English, you know? He's like, he's like, you don't speak your native language? And I'm like, well, I speak English. <laughs> like, that is my native language. It was the language that I learned first. And he was like, no, you don't speak your native language. And it, like, something clicked inside me in that moment. And I said, no, I don't speak my native language. Why don't you ask the U.S. Cavalry why I don't speak my native language? <laughs> he just, like, uh... shut up in that moment. And was like, didn't even know what to say. And my friend that was standing next to me was like, hey, it's time for you to go away now. And he just turned and walked down the hallway, you know, like, and it was like, dude, what was that? That was my first 
real experience with like ignorant racism you know and like there's a difference between like malicious racism and ignorant racism the ignorant racism is the stuff that i encounter almost all the time um i haven't had hardly any instances at all of um of anybody trying to be malicious but yeah well thank goodness but yeah yeah White dudes are the worst. <laughs> JB. Wait, my dad's a yeah, white thank, dude. <laughs> thanks for thanks for all the history books that those kind of people write, right? Like the numbskulls, like, well, we'll take care of this for you, right? Oh, I'm, yeah. He wasn't writing write it incorrectly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, screenwriter for Pocahontas, that tuba player. Probably, so. yeah. <laughs> That's probably why Pocahontas magically speaks English, like after she's asked her name. Right? Yeah. Like that that is astounding to me. Like I understand that like they needed to do that for like the sake of expediency, but they're just like Oh yeah. yeah. She speaks English now after like three hours with John Smith. Well yeah, because you know, like you can listen to the wind and it'll teach you to speak any language you want. So sure. The tree said so. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The tree said so. Which, again, I'm not sure of any native culture that has, like, a magical tree like that, so. But if you can speak tree, English can't be that hard. Right. Well, Dory can speak whale, so. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's awesome. Okay. um, So, what else? I don't know. What else do we say about this movie? Um, I still have some more notes. Do you guys want some? Yeah. Okay. Heck yeah. Like, uh, one of the things that really surprised me, like right out of the gate, was uh, was like, like I know that like these English people when they were coming over were not like well educated about the native peoples here, but like the thing that really got me, like I was saying before, I didn't get through the first song without writing down notes, is that there's an assumption presented at the very beginning that they are hostile people. Um, and, you know, like when John Smith appears on the scene and they're like, oh yeah, we can't fight Indians without John Smith. Like, there's that assumption there that they need to be fought. Like, that they're going to be uh, they're going to be hostile. And they're not hostile when they first show up, you know, but like, like, uh, they're called bloodthirsty savages, not even five minutes into the movie. Yeah. Like the phrasing of the language, like whenever the native elders speak, the way that things are phrased is, uh, like very stereotypical native. Um, you know, when it's like my daughter and he's, he's like, he sounds all philosophical or whatever, you know? Yeah, and there's a really funny dude on uh, TikTok. His name's Brett Sosi, Brent Sosi, who makes fun of this, uh, like this uh, perception that all natives will say something like philosophical and tied to nature and mystical and stuff. It's hysterical because it's this great stereotype that he he has a good fun. He has good fun with it. I I love the, yeah I love the way that that is being subverted, um, like. Okay, so Melissa, I know you've you've watched some of Reservation Dogs, right? Yes, <laughs> I love that show. That show is so great. Like, yeah, that and um, 
Rutherford Falls. Oh my goodness! Oh, yeah, great show <laughs> featuring natives. It cracks me up. Um, yeah, they, they, thankfully natives are having a moment on television mm-hmm. right now, which you know should have happened a long time ago, but at least yeah. it's happening now. But yeah, that show is is a trip. I think that. You, you have to sort of read between the lines a lot to understand some of what's going on there. Yeah. Um, um, there's, there, there, there has to be some understanding of the culture because like yeah. some of the scenes in the casino and are, are really funny in Rutherford Falls. Um, like, have you seen, uh, smoke signals? I'm trying to remember when that came out. That, that was 98. And yes, I went and watched that because, um, the voice of Pocahontas was in this, and I became right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aware of it, and I'm like, oh, I need, I need to go check this out. Yeah, yeah. That movie is is really funny, but like, in order to catch a lot of the humor, you kind of have to understand like the native culture that comes that comes from it. And it's just uh, like my mom and I when we first saw that movie. Like, and I remember watching that movie for the first time, but I don't remember watching Pocahontas. My mom and I watched Smoke Signals all the way through. And then rewound it because it's back in the 90s, right? Rewound it and watched it again. Well, because actually good movie versus this. So, yeah. Hysterically funny. And it's like, it's tragic too. Like, like that Smoke Signals movie is tragic. But, but it's just got some really funny things. Like, you know, when they're talking about K-Res Radio and it's like, we're going to go out to the weather station. And it's like, you know, we're going to go out to Lester Falls Apart for the traffic report. And he's like, big truck just drove by. You're like, yep, <laughs> life on the res. Like, yeah. yep, that's it. And uh, more like that. They like, it's like they're daring white people to watch, but they're like, this isn't for you. You can watch it, but this oh, is not goodness. for you. Are you guys you know the, what I mean? like aware that on the Navajo, like, like in some places on the Navajo reservation, they have John Wayne film festivals specifically to watch the natives make fun of the other actors? No. Okay, so like when they were filming some of these old westerns, right? They're going out to the res and they're like, we need some native people in the background and they'd just be like, hey, say something. And so they would say something and like Navajo or like whatever language they spoke, you know? And sometimes they were making fun of the other actors on set because they were just told to say something and they didn't know what to say. So they were just like making jokes about people, trying to make each other laugh. And if you speak... The Navajo language you can show up at these film festivals and watch and they're they're listening to the background actors and laughing at what their commentary is <laughs> that's awesome that's great but it's like these are the people that are being showcased as bloodthirsty savages these people who are like laughing at things that's yeah. part of the reason why like in the movie smoke signals when they're singing that song about john wayne's teeth that comes from one of those Navajo film festivals that like like some of those commentaries are about John Wayne's teeth. And so like when they're making that reference, they're actually referencing a different part of, of that native culture where they're, they have these backstage film actors or this background actors that are making fun of people on set and they were making fun of John Wayne's teeth. And then there's a different movie with a song about it. So that's really interesting. When I was watching Pocahontas, I took a note about that song specifically where they're calling each other savages, savages but it, yeah. It, yeah. it starts off with the white people. And then in an attempt to make it look like it was a two sided thing, they have the natives start singing about 
how the white people are savages. And the, the one older man says, um, I made a note of the exact lyric of me. My phone just locked. Shoot, sorry. Oh yeah. Like the, like the guy that he's like all peaceful and mystical, like all along. And then all of a sudden is like, yeah, he's yeah. like, they're all savages. And he says, killers at the core, they're different than us, which means they can't be trusted. And I was right. like, are you effing kidding me? <laughs> the native people absolutely trusted us. That's what, that's, that's we how we took advantage of them over and over and over and over still to this day with the treaties and everything. Still, they're trusting and and you're going to throw that line into this movie and try to make us believe that it's something that would have been a two-sided thing. Absolutely not. Absolutely I, not. Yeah. I, I do think, though, it's really interesting. Like, my kids, the way that they view this movie is they are very... Like, I was talking with my son right before this, and he's like, Savages is my favorite song from Pocahontas. Um, because it it's about, like, saying the white people are bad. <laughs> like, uh-oh. <laughs> like, the critical race theory got to him, apparently. Yeah. No, but, um, but... Uh, ba -dum -ba -dum. Yeah, um, but, no, but there, there are these there are these elements in there that are actually planted that are like the white people are really bad in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. they try to make John Smith heroic or whatever, but like overall what they're doing, like if you read between the lines, it's like, this is really messed up and very, very wrong. Like when Pocahontas says let go and she tries to get up and leave and he says no I'm not letting you leave and smiles at her. Oh my gosh. <sighs> okay. And it's right after that that she says in, in her song if I'm the one who's a savage how come there's so much that you don't know? Yeah. And I did, I did yep. really like that line a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of like I think it really speaks to like uh, like cultures knowing different things and I you know like when she's talking to John Smith about like there's nothing wrong with our houses there's nothing wrong with the way that we live like yeah. um, I still feel like even now that sometimes people are really judgy about like what what success is like if I uh, talk to people about like the stats on the San Carlos res uh, like uh, 10 years ago, 12 years ago ish, the median income on the res was like 20,000. Um, and the people there, like, they don't live in fancy homes. They don't really care. Like, they have other things that help them measure success. Um, and that's, that to me is really interesting that it's like, uh, you know, in, in some ways, there are still a lot of white people who are obsessed with money. Um, and the acquisition of riches and you'll find that in any culture really but like um, you can't approach people and make decisions about their happiness based on what you perceive is happiness you need to get to know everybody and then decide like if you really do actually need to step in and help them um, yeah. and part of like the ignorant racism that I see sometimes is that people will make assumptions about um, 
what needs to be done um, in a place based on like what they're used to seeing, like how they're used to seeing houses built or how they're used to seeing like things run or whatever without taking into consideration that other people might be perfectly happy um, living in their Hogan on the res and that they survive quite well without running water all the time. And, um, and maybe they do want running water and maybe they do think that would be cool, but like um, maybe they don't and that you can't like call them uncivilized because they don't necessarily want running water or because they don't want whatever. And I think um, this comes out in me from time to time in random conversations, but because I'm from a small town, um, small town people like tend to not like really crowded spaces. And I think part of that comes from being raised in a small town. And part of that comes from like the fact that if you're living in a small town, you already don't want a lot of people around you. <laughs> so like the town where I'm from, there's a state park nearby, just a small state park with a, with a, like a small reservoir in it. And then up the Canyon, the, the Canyon road, when you go farther up that Canyon um, has not traditionally has not been maintained. Um, and the townspeople purposely did that purposely did that because they want that canyon to be theirs and they don't want everybody else up there. Anyway, most of the people that lived there when I was there are gone now. They've passed away and the people who have been replacing buying houses out there are city people that are like, we should get curb and gutter. And like all the locals are like, why do you want curb and gutter? Because it's just more stuff to maintain and we don't have the money in the city budget to do that. Like we don't have the money to maintain curb and gutter. So if we were able to get it somehow, how are we going to maintain it? It's sometimes it's just easier to not, you know, there's smarter things that we could do with that money. Anyway, for right. what reason they decided that that road of the Canyon needed to be maintained. And, uh, like somebody that I came across here in South Jordan in Utah was like, Oh, I totally drove up that Canyon. It's beautiful. You know, they should put a gas station right at that turnoff. And like, somebody could make a ton of money out there. And I was like, no, that would be awful. Like, <laughs> don't do that. Like, that's awful. And she was like, no, you could make a ton of money. And I was like, it's not about the money. She's like, but somebody could make a lot of money. And it's like, right. it is not about the money. And she's like, but you could do like booming tourism industry. And it's like, it is not about the money. People out there don't want a lot of other people out there. Like they don't want that. Yeah. It's not about the money for us. It was kind of about keeping people out. <laughs> I would, I would like to apologize because on a personal level, my aunt and uncle are two of the people who moved out there and brought a lot of people with them and are the people that you're talking about that are ruining it all. So I'm well, very sorry. Well, it's not, that's not your decision. You're not in charge of them. So I wish I were. Well, and I think, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a better way forward with all of this, you know, as, as you've talked about, like, well, you know, money isn't everything. Um, it, it's made me reflect on what's happened with the controversy over bears ears uh, over the last like six, seven years. And, you know, the, the fact that the national park service is willing to basically say like, we're going to make this a national park, but it's really going to be governed by an intertribal council with representation from all of the five federally recognized tribes in the area. And they're going to decide what to do with this park. 
and you know if they decide that they want to you know cash in on tourism great if they decide they want to preserve the land and keep people off of it that is also great but the decision should be made by them um especially not by you know colonialist minded white people who are engaging in the same modalities of neo-colonization because they think they know how to manage the land better than right. the people who've lived there for thousands of years. Right. And that it's always the worldview, right? Like you put your worldview on everything. We did it in the history books. We're Ruth, we do it to Gunnison Reservoir, right? Like when is oh, yeah. when are they going to turn that into Jordanelle and they build cabins around it, oh. right? And that's that it's that horrible worldview. And you you gave that example perfectly of you you can't get these people to not go. It you don't just have to make money off stuff because it's there, right? right? Well, I, I think, think that make any sense. Putting cabins around Gunnison Reservoir would be dumb anyway. There's so many rattlesnakes out there. <laughs> <laughs> They don't need I mean, maybe for some sense. people it would be a good idea, but yeah. The problem takes care of itself. Nobody rattlesnakes out there. And then they swim. Like, you shouldn't be swimming in Gunnison Reds because there's rattlesnakes in the water, too, just so y'all know. Like, Oh, my gosh. Then I am staying the hell away from Gunnison Reservoir. Thank you for telling me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like, good uh, to know. But, like, as far as bears' ears go, I think that's, that's a really interesting thing. Uh, it's For me, that's another one of those those things that it's really interesting to step back and see like what um what people have already been doing there um because there are a lot of there there are a lot of white people out there like caucasian mm -hmm. that really are kind of in tune with what should be happening out there and um and it's partly because they've taken the time to understand and work with um like all of the native tribes that are out there and they understand like exactly um like the sanctity of that area. And I think that uh, one of the things that we fail to recognize as people is that there's not really an us and them that is successful. It has to be just us that is successful, that we have to learn about each other, that we have to be able to work with one another and understand each other. We have to understand that we can be from different cultures and be part of different things, different religions, different ideas about what good food is or different ideas about favorite colors and still work together and come up with a really great solution. Like in the end, it's not white people and native people. In the end, it should just be people. Wow. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so we're done now, right? That wraps it up. I think, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know. Do we do we want to talk more about the the raccoon and the and the little dog or? Yeah, Miko is the best. Actually, I really like the hummingbird. It's my favorite. Yeah, I mean, it's like again, it's like that. That's the thing with the the stupid Disney formula. Is it? It kind of works. I mean, all of that little window yeah. dressing. Like we love Miko. We love yeah. Percy the the pug. We we love the we love, flit is the, the yeah. Flit, it's right? merchandising. Yeah. It's yeah. the merchandising though, right, Andy? It's you. That's everything. You you make a movie like this so you can throw every up. girl has a best name. 
yeah, you can throw flip. up six new six new mugs that Chelsea and I were laughing about that. You can throw up all the new mugs at Disneyland. You can get all the t-shirts and um, that becomes like oh, the yeah. integral part of the movie, right? Side characters rule yeah, the day. Pins, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And all the different play sets and, and plushies and dolls and yeah, and even that being said, I'm still not going to buy anything from Pocahontas. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's probably true. Yes. Yeah. Many takeaways from this this episode, but not buying Pocahontas merchandise. Um, definitely on there because <laughs> because we've all learned a valuable lesson that uh, uh, the the capitalistic desire to hoard wealth is a very bad idea. Pocahontas yeah. taught us that. So, yeah. thanks Disney. Anyway, it's uh, kind of funny. Any any other um, notes on on this movie? Um, any other things people wanted to talk about? The only other thing that I had that was that I thought that might be interesting is that this tendency to generalize culture that they have, or uh, like in Pony. Like for Pocahontas, I feel like it was really just sort of like only halfway done, like the research. But when it came to like Moana, um, like they pulled from all kinds of different sources. But I still know quite a few um, Pacific Islanders that do not like Moana almost as much as I hate Pocahontas. Like, um, and for kind of the same reasons that it's never quite right. That it's like if you're gonna pick a story or a folktale or even a historical event like this one, um, you need to do it justice. And if you can't do it justice properly, then you should just not do it. Um, you know, like all of their other stories that are like Cinderella is a fairy tale. Sure, you can mess around with that, right? Like it's a fairy tale. It's been messed around with before. But when you're yeah. taking like Pocahontas, this based in fact, or when you're taking a tale from another culture, um, you have to be able to do it justice and if it's not going to be done correctly then don't do it at all right and it's very different when white people are reinterpreting white culture to you know to make a movie about it yeah. uh, like with the Grimm's fairy tales versus taking a an actual historical person and completely changing the facts about their lives and uh, and and even what that interaction and existence was about at all so. okay yeah sorry i just had like another random thought and i'm sorry that i'm a little bit add yeah but, no uh, we all are it's okay <laughs> well many of us are i won't say we all are uh on the soundtrack because i'm a musician none of the singers on the soundtrack are native mm, yeah so not all of them are white either but like uh like none of them are native it's like really like you found like you found some native actors and actresses, but uh, like not a whole bunch. But it was like you could have poked around and found some native singers because there are there are people who are like native or who have Native American blood in them that sing. Like Wayne Newton is a direct descendant of Pocahontas. Oh my god! Wayne Newton should be on this soundtrack. But <laughs> that's just a a random historical fact. Uh, like uh, Jimi Hendrix was a was a Native American dude not that he was he wasn't even available for this movie you mm -hmm. know he was already dead but <laughs> um, there there are quite a few that like you can you can look him up and like 
um, it would have been easy enough to find, yeah. uh, to find people. And I know that I had, as a kid, um, like some, some stuff from like Native American musicians, but like, uh, I think it's Amazon Prime, maybe it's on Netflix. There's a whole series about, um, the influences of Native American music in rock and blues. And so, uh. Like they could have found somebody in the 1990s to sing, like a native to sing. Totally. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. And and maybe not made these the exact same kind of ballads that we've been doing for, you know, for Beauty and the Beast and and everything. Maybe like maybe there's some 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 greater care we could take here with this. Yeah, it's it's horrible, but I couldn't stop thinking of where you'd put Donka Shane in this film. Like, thanks for the Wayne Newton shout out. Now, <laughs> now I can't get him. Like, where where Donka Shane? Like, no, see now, now now I can't stop. Not Donka Shane because obviously that's German, but like, yeah, I know <laughs> something else probably. Yeah, that was the that was the reason it was problematic, Andy. The joy. Right. <laughs> it was in right. Well, that that's not native. <laughs> if you live in Hamburg, it is. But we, well, you never knew what the hummingbird spoke. He could have been very German hummingbird. Flit German, yeah, German icon. <laughs> Flit the hummingbird from Flickborg. <laughs> what is? Never mind. Okay. Uh, any anything anything else here, or do we want to go into our normal question? I did, I did. To the to the note of what Ruth was just speaking about, as far as like the stereotyping of cultures, there were several comments like made to the English settlers about "you're not a man until you can shoot a gun" and oh yeah, finding all the gold and like the I appreciated and kind of what you were speaking to earlier andy that they did the stereotyping on the other side too on the on the english side as well it felt like because it i don't think it was so much stereotyping back then as it was permeating their entire reason for being there which i felt like they made very clear it was for gold it was for using the land and and owning it and putting a flag on it and for status and and all these different things and i was grateful that they didn't shy away from pulling that into the forefront and making them look as bad as they were i don't know if they did it as intentionally as i would have hoped they were doing <laughs> for how badly they screwed up the rest of the story at the same time um but i'm glad that that's in the movie so that when our kids, like like your kids and mine, they watch this, they go, yeah, they're really horrible people. Like, even though John Smith is out, like, climbing the mountains and laying in the grass and putting his feet in the water, just such garbage. Um, he still, like, if you watch him and listen to the words that he's saying and the way that he speaks down to her, like Melissa's sort of, he failed up thing yeah it's really apparent and again i don't know that they did it on purpose but i'm glad that it's there how how interesting brooke is a worldview when you write 
like they obviously screwed up and wrote the worldview like this very white centric worldview but how bad is it when you write in your own worldview and you still look horrible right, right. not only does your worldview look bad because you tried to put it right on the on the native characters and and the whole plot but you also made yourself your own worldview culture look horrible like what a <laughs> yeah and i think That's it was an point, to make john smith look better and captain Bufus, I don't even remember. <laughs> That's what look I even to worse. Yeah. <laughs> like it just made them all look bad. Yeah, and I'm glad that they look as bad as they do. And and know. it was like they wrote it honestly, and and it looks <laughs> horrible. Like they we, we talk it. about that a lot in the movies. Like, well, for the time period, they actually got this really. Like, yeah. I don't know if they were trying to be clever. If they just got really fucking lucky, yeah. but yeah, it's bad. Yeah, it's that and thing. I'm glad you it's write, bad. You, you write what you know, and you like end the up first thing he says guy. to Pocahontas here. Let me help you out of there. Get yeah. lost. <laughs> yeah, I love I'm trying not to swear as much in front of Ruth. Can you guys tell that oh, I'm sorry? <laughs> 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 that, and my, that, that and my that and my mother. No, you're not. Yeah. But my mother's in the next room as well. So I'm like oh, trying okay. to, and it's I'm like tempering myself, and it's very difficult to talk about this movie without. Without keep, swear words. Keep Ephraim so, uh, clean, right? <laughs> um, about that first thing that he says to Pocahontas, like, here, let me help you out of there. It's not like we didn't just see her dive off a cliff, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Can we talk about how awesome her best friend is? Yes. Nakoma. Yeah. Yes. yes. Like, uh, unsung, uh, Nakoma and Kokoam, like, unsung yeah. heroes of this movie. Like, and absolutely how great characters. Dare they, like, try to make the Nate, like, Cocoam look like a stiff, stodgy, like, are you kidding me? Um, hot. He's way hot. He should not be the one that they're making look bad or trying to. Like, oh, that would, why would she choose to marry Cocoam? Because he's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, he is pretty hot. And in real life, she married and Coco. in real life she was married to Coco. Yeah. <laughs> right. He's still pretty hot. Um <laughs> wait, like, speaking of how uh how things look, like how how they make characters look, um, I found it really weird that all of the little native kids had bangs and haircuts. Like <laughs> No, they're, yeah. They're not cutting their hair. Like you can give them a hairstyle. But it darn well better be a traditional one. Like, yeah. But you can't just be like giving him bangs. That's not something that happened. They don't care that much. So, yeah. This movie is so bad. So, um. Oh, shoot. I completely lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. Never mind. What? Um, anything else? Okay, do we want to do we want to talk about the the box office? Oh wait, no, I remembered what it was. Okay, <laughs> this bothers me so much. All right, that like okay, so Pocahontas is like an empowered female character, and she has a female best friend. So these movies finally are passing the Bechdel test, but um. At the end, like Pocahontas's choice is whether to marry one of two men, and 
kind of hate that. So I, I don't know. I'm just I'm just pointing that out there. It's like, oh well, it has to be romantic and it has to, um, you know, I I don't know. It just picture show second balcony, right? <laughs> yes, Wayne Newton. It's well, it's it's that standard problem we have with every Disney movie, right? Like they they have to throw them into the romance morass at the end. Right. Because that's what the people want. Um even though like the fairy tales that they're based off of usually don't end like that, right? Andy, like we've talked about. So it is. It's that weird Jeffrey Katzenberg, co founder of Queeby. We've got to end it like this every time, right? Yeah. I mean it's like a James Bond movie. It's like there's a formula and yep. at the end he's gonna end up the guy and the girl are going to end up getting together and in some weird situation or location, like an iceberg submarine, right? right. There's always something like that. Exactly. Oh, especially, yeah. Especially in the Disney princess movies. Right. Just um, as a single woman, um, like a single woman in my forties, I would love to see like a Disney princess movie where nobody gets married in the end like legit yeah like how awesome would it be to have like just a rocking single woman out there somewhere you know but yeah. um that's part of the reason i loved frozen when it first came out it's <laughs> because there's like yeah there's a love interest for anna but like elsa she's like a rock star all on her own you know and um yeah. i love the idea that a woman can be complete all on her own um yeah Anyway, that's my two cents as a single person. So I want I want Beauty and the Beast too, where she's divorced because the prince was actually super ugly, as per Andy Wilson. That's correct. <laughs> when he turned into the <laughs> He's much cuter as the beast. Like, uh, like six months ugly. later she's like, yeah. you No, know, your nose is just jack, dude. I think I'm gonna go back to Beast is live hot. somewhere else. Turn back into the beast, please. Yeah, that. <laughs> that was such a funny part when you're like, ew, <laughs> horse face. <laughs> it's true. Well, at least we were able to see his face, unlike whoever drew po the Pocahontas movie. Right? Well, should go and marry Coco because he's super hot. Super so. hot. Good chin. Great everything. Yeah. Coco I would um, like, the hottest Disney guy in a long time. Yeah. And you know, Andy, when you were doing the D&D &D for uh, all the princesses, that would be one I would want you to do. Oh, are we going to go back I need to, to do those again. I need to. I'm, I I'm forgot so to bring that up. You stopped doing, doing that up. it before we got to Princess Stockholm. Oh. <laughs> That's yeah, why. Yeah. It was Shame. too close to home, right, Brooke? <laughs> Shame. Okay, I'll, I'll go back. Well, we were, we were doing... Dolly Parton and Candyman and Hannibal for so long, I just forgot that I need to do D&D &D characters for Like, plus, okay. plus five to damage with hands bound, or whatever that spell would be for her. <laughs> I'll, I'll go back and, and make the D&D &D characters for, for all the uh, Renaissance. The trees. Disney, Disney yeah, and, that was fun. And probably um, apparently for uh, Maid Marian, too. Because... Le uh, legit, you when you're done with all of these, you could put them in a book and sell it as merch. I mean, if we can have Percy the Pug mugs or whatever, 
we can damn sure have a D&D book with Renaissance princesses. That's all I'm saying. Does that count as buying Pocahontas merch, though? Ooh. Ooh. You know what? I mean, as long as none of the money goes to Disney, I think. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think it's... Sorry. Um, I was just going to say, like, I think if you're going to put Maid Marion on something, you need to do something for Lady Cluck. Because Lady Cluck is... Oh, Lady Cluck. Lady Cluck, too. Badminton skills. Yeah. Any one-armed weapon, she's plus five. Well, she's she's a classic like uh, um, berserker character. Just, <laughs> I didn't even think about that. You, you know, he's like two arm damage. Yeah, he's like I would like to rage. I'm I'm gonna you know charge down the field and knock people out of. The don't way. hand me, don't hand me that shield. <laughs> yeah. she's, she's awesome. Oh, well uh, done. Okay, yeah. Well, I, I'll I need to. I need to make all those D and D characters. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's uh, let's talk about this movie's box office. It came out on June tenth, nineteen ninety five, and ended up making a total of one hundred and forty one point five million dollars, which is significantly less than The Lion King. Uh, inflation adjusted. Uh, that's 298 million. Um, for again, for reference, Aladdin made 480 inflation adjusted, and five months later, Toy Story is going to make 403. So, um, uh, like 20 and 40 percent more than than this. So this was a. It, Amazing that it actually made as much money as it did. I'm well, I'm in, actually the, very surprised. The international Me too. It, didn't it, right? Yeah, the international did pretty well too. Two hundred and five point five yeah. million. So no, because I remember I think... always seeing it in the top five for the year because this is you know the Golden Eye um, seven year Andy that we always talk about. Yeah, um, and I was always surprised that you know it was up there with Golden Eye. In fact, it was pretty close four and five i think overall and i could never figure out why i'm like it must have done better internationally because you know i remember seeing golden eye a bunch and pocahontas not very often i think all of rosie mckay's and like future and current students went and saw it and that helped a lot (laughs) extra credit sorry sorry i didn't how poorly this was done historically melissa did you i i couldn't i think you were trying to say something no, I just saying that I was surprised it made this much money too. Like I never look up how much a movie makes. Just I know you're gonna say you know say that as part of the podcast, and like I just want to be surprised. Uh, I, I'm pretty surprised, you know, about this one because right. um, I don't know. It's just such a forgettable movie. But I guess that's the Disney machine. They even can put out a pretty not great movie and as long as it's animated people will go see it now if it's not animated like john carter then you know they won't go see it still apparently it's it's the franchise effect too that like the the last movie if it performed really well is going to give the next movie like a certain amount of something no matter what so i think the lion king having been such an experience um 
and everybody got kind of hyped up thinking like, is Disney going to do it again? Did they do it again? They've got Mel Gibson, people's sexiest man alive, uh, and future most racist actor in Hollywood. Um, <laughs> you know, but uh, people were hurt, like legitimately hyped about this movie and they went and saw it in droves even though it wasn't very good so um studio notes can we fix this movie don't make it no <laughs> this is this is the movie they said they're not going to do a live action Right. Right. Like didn't Disney come out and say, there's just no way we can do a live action. Well, that tells you you probably shouldn't have done the animated one. Right. I found well, it very interesting that there wasn't a disclaimer before this one, like there was before Aladdin. Oh, interesting. Mm. That's true. So huh? they, could, they could fucking start there. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say you shouldn't make it. I would say you should have people who are better versed in the subject material make it right like scrap it and go back to the people who gave the oral exactly. history to begin with and yes. start all over please yeah do not let don't kill her actual husband mm. especially yeah. since he's so hot okay that's like the third time i've said that I need to... <laughs> <laughs> that's okay you you and me are both competing for who can say how hot we think coco and it's the appropriate studio well, note yeah, yeah it's, at least yeah. we're on the same page there you yeah. know like, yeah. maybe if there was something from the movie that i would buy it might be an image of him yeah so, <laughs> so yeah i don't like there there is like could you make some sort of a film about uh civilizations meeting and a star-crossed romance and the characters are not John Smith and Pocahontas. Maybe, but at the same time, I feel like the violence of the colonization of Virginia was such that, like, it you can't Disneyfy that and make it okay. I just, I think that's too hard. And, and I, just not true, no matter what. So, uh... Could you take a spin on it like they did with the mission and use the music to tell the story of the tragedy of it and still make it appealing? I mean, you you have another version of this story and it's Avatar. Ugh. God, I hate that movie. That one was really weird. Yeah, Ugh. but I mean, but it is it is. I mean, not beat for beat the same story, but it's but it's Pocahontas plus Dances with Wolves, <laughs> um, and it's it's very very similar. Like the 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 main army guy is very much like the the head English guy here. They're you know they're oh. both evil. They're both the bad guy. Um, you have the the like the white savior guy who's going to come in and uh, and talk to the native peoples. Uh, you you have a talking tree. Um, mm. you know, so, but there's um, I I don't know. I I think it is kind of a a cursed premise because 
colonization very bad, don't do it. And um, I don't, I don't think you Disneyfy that. I just don't think there's a way <clears throat> around it. So I think, though, on your first question, like, is there a way to retell the story of like two civilizations coming together and star-crossed lovers or whatever? You know what that made me think of? That made me think of my parents. Oh. Is dad's white and mom's mom's native, right? And so, uh, <clears throat> and, but there are, sorry, I have something in my throat. There are um, a lot of us that are walking around that are half, half and half. Mm -hmm. uh, quite happy about both parts of our heritage. And, um, you know, like my brothers and I make jokes about it sometimes that like, we didn't have to play cowboys and Indians growing up. We were cowboys and Indians growing up. <laughs> or that like we discovered on our ink on our white side like i like i said that my dad's mostly english right like uh we had an ancestor on the mayflower which means that we are the most authentic like thanksgiving ever when we're together 100 percent <laughs> true american yeah. right like that it's like oh yeah we're thanksgiving like all wrapped up into people here because that's that's what we got we got this pilgrim on one side we've got native americans on the other side we can cook a turkey we're we're, we're it you know and uh and so like there are there have got to be stories that people can tell that that do like essentially marry two different civilizations together because it happens it happens in real life all the time right. um the problem that happened with Pocahontas is that it was like historically, like <clears throat> entirely inaccurate, but like the fact that they, that there's this forced idea, like speaking of putting a culture onto somebody else's culture, right? There's this forced idea that there has to be a love story in it and that there has to be like different kinds of regulations and stuff. And there are plenty of native American people like women, even that are, fantastic figures in history that it would be cool to like research some of those and why don't we research some of those and put those those women up um you know like we well, and we have people making history right now <clears throat> the secretary of the interior deb holland is right? an amazing person and i wish she were given more power to do everything that she needs to do knowing um knowing the power that the department of the interior has and the ability to like take bold action on climate change um like she she is a visionary in terms of taking you know a lot of action and and uh you know introduced legislation when she was in congress to set aside 30% of the landmass of the U.S. for conservation. And, like, we need to get there. Um, but, like, yeah, it's not it's not just historical. Like, it's, it is happening now. And we can support these people. Um, and, yeah. Support Deb Holland. She's awesome. So, <laughs> cool. She's the only cabinet secretary I will fangirl over. Or fanboy over. I'm a boy. You can whatever. be whatever you, you want. You can fangirl too if you want. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, 
so yeah we call it we call it fandy by the way Fan, fandy. <laughs> back. Yeah. fandy wilson yeah yeah nice okay there we go okay so no no other studio notes this is not salvageable don't make this movie um are there best one-liners or quotes is there anything that oh uh, what's that the my bark is worse than my bite from the tree. Ugh. Oh my god! <laughs> to be fair, when I gave the instructions to Ruth, I told her her favorite or least favorite. <laughs> yeah, you, you can, can be least favorite too. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a pretty good one. Though. All right, I think I just spoke over Melissa again. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> Damn it. No, I didn't have much to say. That 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 is the fucking worst, and I'm pretty sure um, when I was live messaging <laughs> I, I put bar for something like you know oh, it is really that one was really bad my my favorite line uh when pocahontas tells john smith it would have been better if we never met i'm like yep yep <laughs> yep true yep. the best lines from this movie were what melissa put in the text by yes far. Like <laughs> yes those, every single line <laughs> way better than reactions to how terrible this yeah was. it was so good but the two lines I wrote down were the one I said earlier, if I'm the one who's the savage, how is there so much you don't know? Mm-hmm. And then the other was sometimes the right path is not the easiest one. Nah, that's a good one. I think that's got to be always the right path is not the easiest one. Yes. But yeah, like those are two very good things. So uh, Mine is Coco, I'm so hot right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh sorry channing tatum you're in second place now yeah uh any any other one-liners or quotes coco i'm for free guy too sorry channing (laughs) no that would be great um best side character Nakoma. Yeah. Cocoa? And Cocoa. Cocoa, yeah. Cocoa's number two, but. Yeah. He can be my number one. He's hot, but. But But Melissa's been saying for like five movies like, give, give the princess like someone to talk to. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so. She has a tree. Yeah. I also like the the hummingbird just because um, in Mexican culture, the hummingbird is actually traditionally like a, a war totem because um, hummingbirds are so little and people think, oh, they're little flitty things, whatever. But in actuality, like they'll fuck you up if yeah. you mess with them, right? <laughs> like they're really pretty vicious and, and people underestimate them because of their size, you know? And so like I, it's just, it's a, like you'll see hummingbirds on a lot of like um mexican art and and pottery and stuff and it's it's just something that i sort of took up myself as a part of my culture i'm like yeah i feel that i feel like i'm kind of a hummingbird like people underestimate me and shit you know and um but i'll bite you you know i i I will peck your eyes out um so yeah anytime i see a hummingbird (laughs) that's gonna be something that i love probably that's awesome humming bruja May may be slightly inappropriate about this. I'm fine with it. Yeah, we're okay. Okay, so flit rhymes with another word that also is very small and holds a lot of power and can 
<laughs> so I agree with Slit. I'm done. I'll see myself out. <laughs> I <it>. Yes. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> if it's the good word I'm thinking of, I mean, that's the yeah. best side character right there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> best song. The closing credits. Because it was over. Oh, yeah. Right, Can Melissa? Can the closing credits be a side character? Because that's <laughs> <laughs> The closing credits not sung by any Native people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, you know. Okay. They had yeah, to stay with the motif of the whole movie. <laughs> wasn't there a yeah? Wasn't there a thing that they were saying like, but but one of the voices was someone who was Jewish, and I was going, but you you yeah, but you missed the point, right? Like that's like, but we have a Jewish person. Like no, but we're <laughs> but still, right? The Jews are still European, right? Yeah, yeah. Still go in the wrong direction. So. So uh, I I mean I think the best song is is Savages just because the it's like calling out white people uh, which is great but uh, this is so problematic of me and I'm so sorry but Colors of the Wind is like do it kind of kind of great it's like it's so no. it's so cheesy. <laughs> And I, it's I, so like it's so like '90s liberal. Like this. Okay, how did you're, you? How did you? If not you're gonna be the... problematic, I will be too. I didn't hate this movie as much as I did the last time I saw it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I did. And it made me hate <laughs> myself more. <laughs> I'm, I I like the John Cicada song, but you know that. John Cicada brings back good memories of um, a simple. I was also lying in a bed with E. coli, like thinking that I was dying. And the woman who owned the hotel walked in and she's like, Oh, Pocahontas, good choice. I love this movie. And so I think it kind of took me off guard. I was like, What? (laughs) People have good experiences with this? Maybe I should be more open minded. You know, Brooke, that reminds me of an experience that I had once where. <clears throat> where I had really bad food poisoning and uh, was stuck in a hotel and the only thing on TV was Song of the South. Oh, wow. <laughs> Dear oh. God, what country were you in? <laughs> uh, I was in North Carolina. Oh, oh, no. okay. oh. Yeah. Oh. yeah, North Kakalaki. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> wow. I mean, I can I can see where you would like this movie compared to you know massive food poisoning right same thing with song of the south be like it it wouldn't be as bad as feeling horrible right well it was a distraction i think mostly yeah i really feel like that's what it was pocahontas it's better than e cola (laughs) (laughs) maybe maybe it'll distract you from e coli okay so is this a good movie no 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 This is, it is, when you have this is the first life. Disney movie we've all been just like, no, this is not a good movie. So. Oh, I wish Mark were here. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is not a good movie. Um, is the main character, Pocahontas, a good person? Yes. 
Yeah. Yes. Trapped I mean, in a terrible, terrible movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's blame she doesn't listen to her dad more often though, because I think it would have saved her a lot of trouble. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. More I more bet. problematic stuff. It's like can can we show people who have like free will who are also like listen to their elders and like respect the wisdom of, of people who might know things other than them? Like I think the only thing you would have had to do is <clears throat> Like, show her in more discussion, like, thinking through what Dad said, thinking through what the tree said, thinking through what her best friend says. Right. And then making a decision based on those things, right? Mm. And just following the tree all the time. Yeah. Do you think the real Pocahontas is in a ghost body stuck on this earth and every time someone watches this movie, she has to live through hell? Oh, I really I hope, hope not. not. I really hope not. Oh, dear. I, I doubt it. I bet she's got better things to do. Yeah, Good. like tormenting John Smith and John Rolfe in hell, because that's <laughs> definitely where they are. Absolutely. Um, oh, and I, I wanted, I, I kept meaning to bring this up and I forgot. In an early draft of the movie, the tree was supposed to be Pocahontas's mother. Oh, and why can't they do the mother characters right? So, well, is that just... mom is dead, right? Yeah. But... Does that sound like Cinderella? Yes. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. That's so, another, like, we're going to take our culture and put it on your culture thing. Yeah, exactly. No, they would uh, never do that. Who are I, oh, I forgot, Brooke. Sorry. Never. 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 That's out of character for them. <laughs> All right. And should we show this to children? No. No. Would, and I did not. even bother? Would they watch it? I think that you would, like, like if you're going to show it to kids there's a lot of explaining to do yeah. as far as like the language that is used to describe people um is totally inappropriate in today's world right yeah you can't be walking around calling people bloodthirsty savages no matter if they're brown or white yeah yeah and uh like like i know that like um you know there's some there's some uh relief in a way that like that even like the song savages portrays white people as bad sometimes like i think that there's something to be said to like honoring your ancestors but not agreeing with everything that they did yeah. and so, like there's this idea that it's like yeah we don't really like what happened um it happened anyway and like even my own ancestors were part of that right like John Howland was on the Bayflower. But like, uh, you know, some of the stuff that he did in his lifetime was pretty cool. The reason that he left England to begin with was to try and be a better person and to make himself into a better person. But like, I don't have to agree with their politics or their point of view to honor my ancestors. And if you are going to portray your own self and your own ancestors as good or bad based on current opinion, I think that that's flawed. Like, you shouldn't have to insult your own self to make other people happy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and good point. I, I should, you know, I'm, I, I, I kid with white people, with my own people. Oh, but, that's okay. Do that too. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, it's like, hey, um, my fellow white folks, we gotta, we, we gotta do something. We gotta, we gotta be better. We've, 
we have this history. Let's be aware of it. And like, let's try to start making some changes now. Um, and hopefully stop reliving these same, uh, you know, terrible impulses that have driven our society for, for centuries. Like, yeah, I think we can do that. And I think we can, we can find the, the peace and harmony that we all want. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, do you mind if I say something along those lines? Of course. One of my favorite things that, that has ever happened in my lifetime is that the standard Band-Aid is no longer tan. Yes. And it's just so really random, but, like, part of it is just the fact that I like designs on my Band-Aids. Like, I'm going to get a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Band-Aid every time if I can. But, like, uh... Like, it's just those kinds of things that, like, is a brown person walking through the world. Like, I don't want to have to walk into Cafe Rio. I don't know if everybody knows what that is. Uh, well, I, you, could stop, okay. you could stop right there. It's you like, should once never have again, you it. leave the Mexican out of everything. Yeah. I was going to say, well, you should never have to walk into a Cafe Rio at all, but yeah. continue. Yeah, so, like, uh, <laughs> Marissa, you do not want to know what Cafe Rio yeah, is. If you don't like Torchy's Tacos... Right. Yeah, definitely not. That's like white it. people hipster bullshit. Oh, it's even worse. Exactly. Than that. Yeah. Even worse yeah. than that. Yeah. So, so anyway, like, I can't walk into a cafe Rio without people assuming that I speak Spanish. Uh, um, and it's like that's brown people like categorizing brown people, but like, uh, that's weird to me. Like, why do you just assume that I speak Spanish? And then, like, you know, it's like that that tuba guy that was like, well, why don't you speak your native language? And it's like, well, I do. I, it's, it's English. <laughs> and I speak it quite well, thank you, when I want to. Yeah. But, you know, I am from <laughs> town. I can speak it hick if you want as well. But, like, um, but like, uh, you know, like, uh, things like I was telling, was it Andy that I was talking to you about the, 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 the Cabbage Patch doll? Earlier? Yeah, yeah. Tell yeah. that story. It's a great story. So, as a kid... Like, I didn't really play with dolls all that much. I actually really liked G.I. Joe's. I don't think I mentioned that before, but I love G.I. Joe's because they were fun. They were bendy. Come on. You know, way better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. G.I. Joe's ruled. Anyway, so um, I really wanted a Cabbage Patch doll as a kid, but um, we couldn't find one that looked like me, and I wanted one that looked like me. It was like my cousins had ones that looked like them, like on my dad's side of the family. They're like fair skin and blonde hair, and it was easy to find a blonde haired Cabbage Patch doll. And, my best friend had one that looked like her and her mom had one that looked like her mom, you know, and I thought that was super cool and I wanted that too. And my parents, I don't know, like my birthday and Christmas are fairly close together. Um, and I don't know how long they looked for Cabbage Patch dolls, but they couldn't find one that looked like me. And my Aunt Liz ended up making me um, a doll that looked like me because they couldn't find a Cabbage Patch doll. Wow. And... Uh, she made one for my mom too that looks like my mom and uh i was telling andy earlier that i i love those dolls and i don't play with them and i didn't as a kid because i didn't want to ruin them because they were the only toy that i had that looked like me um and that was that was a really uh important connection that i had as a kid <clears throat> and like like i didn't have a doll that i carried around all the time because i didn't want to get that one dirty and so yeah, that was just a like like a thing as a kid. It's those kinds of things that like in our culture that that you don't like see all the time that are important to to how we view culture and how we how we grow up um, that are important. Um, yeah, 
on a different note, <clears throat> the literature that we read in schools becomes really important on how children grow up. So, absolutely. The school age kids, they need to see um, a huge variety of literature in their in their school libraries. That school library should look like the school population. Absolutely. And and we need more and better representation of all types of kids and people in in all media especially definitely books but i think that's that's why i love talking about these disney movies is because they are such a giant cultural force for good or ill often both and um that's that's why we that's why we care about these movies ultimately so yeah yeah um well thank you so much for 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 being here ruth and um i would just like to say that i'm very grateful ruth not only that you're here and that i've known you and met you in my life but that you're an educator of children yeah thank you i um yeah i've i've been very happy to be here and i have loved my job as a teacher um it's been it's been way fun it certainly is teaching music, you know, because I get to play ukulele for the last hour of the day every day. But. Nice. <laughs> yeah, support your teachers, vote for higher taxes so that you can pay teachers more. Cause, Amen. Uh, right? Like, I live in my best friend's basement. That's what I can afford. So. <sighs> that makes well done, sense. Utah. Well done. Yeah. All right. So, next week... Um, Esmeralda and the Hunchback of Notre Dame. So, um, we, and then when do we bring Ruth back for Robin Hood? Oh um, yeah, a couple weeks maybe. I don't yeah. know. What do we What do we want to do? We can, um, yeah. Let's Let's think about that. Um, yeah, we could We could do it before Mulan. We could do it after Mulan. We could do. Um, we could wait well, a little Mulan bit. Is our, I Mulan think we, is our bookend. Mulan is our bookend, right? Like that's yeah. the. Well, I think because you've got Mulan, and then you've got the Princess and the Frog, and I feel oh, like that is like you have the like, the, um, the sort of march as, the march through everything as Disney tries to, do representation and, tries and fails in, in in varying degrees, right? So. Um, yeah, I don't know. So we could we could do it either in that mix or we could wait until. Yeah, I mean, you do it as you do it as the palate cleanse, right? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, right. But I mean, I kind of like. Well, I remember liking Princess and the Frog. I did too. So. Yeah, I feel the same way. I, I I remember liking that one. I haven't seen it for a couple of years, but I'm with you, Andy. I I remember. And I, I do like Mulan. I like Mulan quite a I, I will say, though, that I had some friends the other day when I was talking about this say, you're doing those Disney movies? Oh my gosh, are you going to skip Princess and the Frog or are you actually doing it? So I'm going to hmm. go into it with new eyes. Why um, would we skip it? She's a they Disney said it was fan. so horrible that it shouldn't be watched. Interesting. Uh, maybe that. I don't know. But, like... Uh, but by like a representation viewpoint is what they were saying and I was like worse than worse than Pocahontas <laughs> they were like pretty close I don't know 
So it's I don't know perceptions, but I think uh, yeah. the voodoo thing is where you get in trouble with that one. That, that is, yeah, yeah that, that's yeah. a big problem right there. Yeah, so um, it'll it'll be interesting. But... All right, um, but that's that's the path. I don't know. We'll figure out when we want to do um, when we want to do uh, Robin Hood, but it'll be pretty soon. And because we we absolutely need to have you back, Rue, and okay. we need to talk about Robin Hood. And then eventually we'll get through all of these and we'll talk about Bruno because that's, <laughs> that's where we're really marching is we got to talk about Bruno. Yay. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, well, great. Thanks everybody for being here. We'll, we'll see y'all next week and um, stay safe and, and yeah, be, be good to each other. Yeah. And this is where good. Brooke says something about a whale. Cocoam, he's so hot right now. <laughs> <laughs> Big kiss to Cocoam. Picture show. Thank you. That will be all. God damn it, that's not all. Because if one of those things gets down here, then that will be all. Then all this, this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye. This show is part of the Geek Nerd Network. Geek Nerd Network. Find more shows like it at geeknerdnetwork.com. This is Janet.